you guys. Welcome back to AWR. Are we rolling? Episode 33. Uh, we're recording on the second week of beautiful, beautiful, very wet, very cold, very chilly second week of September. And uh, joining me this week is, once again, we have our other co-founder of the, of the pod. <coughs> Garrick is back for the week. Yes. How are you doing, my man? Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> even though I've only been away for one episode. <laughs> um, yeah. But it... It really makes me, you know, kind of feel like I like something was missing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. we because we have a schedule of every week yes. we're recording, yeah, and then yeah. when you don't do it, that one week it's like, hmm, something feels off. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, schedule just didn't align for for last week, and uh, uh some last minute arrangement had to be made as well. Uh, uh, again, big shout out to Kiefer, you know, for arranging the room, and then uh for Andy and Victor for deciding to jump in onto the episode for. In such a short notice, as well as far, as far as I remember. But what yeah, what what you been up to in the last week? I've or so? just been very busy with uh, new, my day new, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And other than that, um, trying to do some stuff outside on my own as well. And then, mm. um, you know, like personal life and all that. So it's like the the amount of time, uh, you know, in a day really is not enough. I get um, it. <laughs> and also, like uh, like you said, our schedules, you know, so uh, like I didn't want to bring the whole thing down. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think every now and then, you know, when one of us gets super busy, um, it's it's understandable, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll probably find a way. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the rare occurrences that both of us are not going to be able to do the pot is quite, I mean, rare. But, you know, at times arises, we'll try to make do, I guess. You know, we'll try to, we'll, we'll, I mean, we're still keeping tabs and, Keeping things fresh and you know figuring things out as we go along. But yeah, I mean, uh, we've missed quite. We we I mean, it was quite a fast session. You know, last week with Andy and uh, and Victor, we're just like recapping um, trailers that we've mm. seen because there's like been tons of trailers been out in the past few uh, in the past week or so. And then um, we were supposed to gleam over the passing of uh, actor Chadwick Boseman last week, and then somehow we've forgotten about it. So I guess we figure we would touch a bit on it. Um, before we move on to the uh, actual stuff that we'll be talking about, which is uh, Charlie Kaufman's uh, new film. Mm, so yep, we're yep. very, very excited about that we've watched it. And then, of course, we'll uh, going through with the stuff that we're recommending or we're watching if we have any, and that will be our episode. In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green veld where you can run forever. So yeah, I mean, let's kick things off with a bit of a downer, I guess. Always a um, good idea. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's, no, there's no better way of opening this particular topic. But uh, yeah, I mean, actor Chadwick Boseman, um, who recently passed away um, uh, about like two weeks back, I think. He was like uh, yep, late yep. August around, around you know, that time, yeah. before before uh, we hit our Madeka that week, and uh, yeah, you know, better known as uh, King T'Challa in Black Panther, you know, and he was like great in many many roles, and uh, he sadly passed away uh, at a very very young age of forty three mm. actually. Yeah, when you yep. take a look at his legacy um, from the complications of colon cancer, you know, stage four colon cancer. I mean, cancer fucking sucks. That's number one. <laughs> And, uh, you know, funny thing is when you sent over the text to me, you know, I was like, uh, I was like in the middle of a job. I was like walking around, buying props and stuff. When you sent it to me, when you sent a text to me, I was like, you know, you know how WhatsApp would pop up, right? In the, yeah, yeah. Up, upwards. You just mentioned Chadwick Boseman, one line. And then the next line was, I guess they have to find a new Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm really sorry for all the laughing. But yeah, I mean, it's true. So when I, you know... um. Without context, mm. taking a look at the message, I was like, you know, because I was like still busy, like uh, driving around, so I can't really like uh, opening up that do not text and drive, ladies and gents. So, you know, uh, I was like looking at the text, I was like, okay, so he must have had like some uh, dispute with Disney over something that, you know, somehow didn't allow him to continue playing Black Panther well, in like future from, films. From, from my part, um, <laughs> the reason I, I, I sent it that way because. Yeah. You know, I I know you are the kind of person who gets your news very early. <laughs> so like anytime I send you anything, you know, I, 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 you sort of have an indication already. Yeah, so yeah, I figured yeah. you would have known. But at that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, not not on that very day, lah. So you know, I was like reading the thing. I was like, 
okay, maybe he had like some fight over Disney, you know, fight over like some 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 stuff lah that doesn't allow him to continue playing Black Panther. Whatever the case may be, you know, my mind was on that until I sat down for lunch, and then I opened up my you know Instagram, Facebook just to keep up with stuff. Uh, and the, all the latest posts was basically about his death, and I was like, I was like, I was like, really, really like, uh, shock was an understatement because you couldn't see it, uh, you couldn't see it coming. You know, yeah, yeah. No, no one did. Really. Yeah. yeah, no one did. You know, because um, you know, news have been circulated that he kept his uh, cancer diagnosis a secret, even to his uh, um, co-stars over at Marvel and, mm. and all his co-stars and friends all um, throughout the years. And uh, he really kept the news quite tight among his family members and friends, really, really close friends who knew about his diagnosis. And he kept it after all these years. And then he was like. I mean, the, the I mean, the quick backstory was that he he was diagnosed in like what 2014? 2014? I might got a year wrong, and then I think a year or two after that he got cast in Black Panther, and then the rest is history, as I say, you know. Um, prior Black Panther, I remember him playing uh, famous baseball star, you know, Jackie Robinson in the film Forty Two. That's really the first time I've seen him, and then as was everyone, you know, because that film is really really big, and then his portrayal. As that icon is really, really uh, celebratory thing about the film, and then after that he plays T'Challa in Black Panther, and then he plays, and then he insert himself in many of this uh, significant black icon kind of a role, which is like you know he plays, uh, he plays Jackie Robinson, he plays uh, uh, Supreme Justice Thurgood Marshall in a biopic, uh, he plays Jackie Brown, he get on up, you know he plays like a lot of this. Uh, Really famous black icon, and he he's, he kind of like he doesn't really look like those people per se, but then he kind of like disappears into the role, and then yeah, I th- I think that's his major achievement. Although most people would of course recognize him as King T'Challa in Marvel's Black Panther, and then mm. right now it would be, it, it's it's fair to say he leave like quite a big legacy, you know, mm. for for. As far as career goes, was his last film uh, in the Five Bloods? It, by Spike Lee. I think it is. Right? It is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I uh, not not to say that I follow, not to say I follow him a lot, but yeah. I, you know, I do know of his work and all that stuff. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, when uh, when a celebrity dies, you know, you see all these uh, posts from yeah. from other famous people, you know, saying their thoughts and all that and yeah yeah i mean it's definitely heartfelt uh he he played a character in a very uh sort of big movie that uh represented the the african yeah uh community and also the african american community as well yeah. so yeah um you know for and and for an actor who portrays a, a a role that is like you know bigger than life as they say um, I guess uh, it's 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 bittersweet, uh, you know, when you when you think about it. So yeah, it's really a loss. I mean, Black Panther was like huge, you know, back in twenty twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, it made really, made a billion dollars. Really, really big. Uh, I mean, yeah, as far as like, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't want to call it as a as a black movie, but it is. You know, mm-hmm. it it's written directed by a black director, uh, mostly black crew, uh, a film that stars mostly black ensemble cast which is like it's it's a brilliant achievement on that end first marvel movie to be nominated for best picture exactly yeah yeah let's not forget that fact and then um um uh you know seeing him in um as a young black kid i'm pretty sure seeing a, a guy like that playing a black superhero on the biggest screen as possible it must have been a significant feat in and of itself and uh yeah for i mean for an actor to be to 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 be gone like that, it's, it, it will leave quite a huge gaping hole in uh, in in all the Marvel movies to come. You know, now that now that you're thinking about about what the Marvel's uh, next step is gonna mm. be regarding Black Panther, you're gonna like questioning all their next move. Like, are they gonna recast Black Panther, or are they gonna like? I, I, I don't know. I mean, well, they've, they've, rain. they've had plans to shoot the second one already, exactly. right? Yeah, it's already yeah. in the timeline. Like, right, yeah, director Ryan Coogler has already been like. Uh, prepping the film for over like mm. so many years now, you know, like uh, T'Challa has appeared. You know, besides Black Panther, he he first appeared in Civil War, 
you know, Civil War, he appeared in like very brief, like almost like a secondary character. And he has his first solo film in Black Panther. And then he appeared in uh, Infinity War. He appeared in Endgame. And then, you know, now that you're thinking back, now you kind of like, now you kind of like understand why he's, why the role of Black Panther was kind of lessened throughout the years. And then you're kind of wondering why didn't they involve more Black Panther in the later films. And then you kind of like, now you kind of get why it is, you know, due to the complications of, uh, you know, treatments and surgeries and chemotherapies and whatnot. Mm. And, uh, and I remember like in the past year alone, there's like, all these like memes and stuff, like people making fun, like why he's gotten so thin over the years. And then, yeah, like, yeah, it was just from that one specific uh, Instagram story. Exactly. Yeah, he, was, yeah. uh, he was promoting something, and then uh, yeah, you you see him yeah. much skinnier than yeah. than his usual self. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if anyone I don't know I've ne- I haven't heard anyone say it, um that you know we, we don't have enough Black Panther in other movies yet. Yeah. Um, because I I don't think they do they cross over like that much mm-hmm. into other other characters, but um yeah, I mean thinking about. What's next? Um, uh, the rumors have been saying, uh, you know, that John David Washington might be oh, the really? next one. You know, because because it's more of a fan It's because you know you've seen him in Tenet, which is the, yeah, yeah. the most recent thing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, all these rumors they'll start to come up every now and then. I've seen one where they say like uh, Michael B. Jordan's character has didn't die and then he'll come back. Let's and, not do that. So. <laughs> you know, like so, yeah. Yeah, as far as Black Panther, I mean, I guess the the most ideal move is to like uh, let it rest for a while. I guess you know, let the title rest for a while, and uh, let's not make any uh, drastic move from a studio and corporate sense as to how you're gonna move the franchise along and all that. And 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 the thoughts of like casting a new guy to play T'Challa would be quite you know too soon of a of a, of a case. So. I mean, but, you know, again, it's uh, entirely rest on Marvel and Disney. It's uh, entirely rest on Kevin Feige's, uh, you know, uh, decision matter at hand. And, uh, yeah, it mean, another thing is that, uh, another thing I want to mention is that, you know, he was diagnosed, uh, he was diagnosed with colon cancer when he, fa- when, I don't know which came first, and then later he found out that it's going to be in the biggest film. I mean, people didn't know that Black Panther was going to be the biggest film of all, of all time at the time, but people can kind of, like, project that vision to be, and then, and as is, as we can see, the rest is kind of history. And then to see him kind of like soldier on through the development of the film, through the making of the film, through the filming of it, while being diagnosed c- cancer was kind of extraordinary to see. Like, like yeah, c- living with cancer isn't easy, but, but you're living with cancer and then you're filming like huge heavy scenes on a daily basis. It kind of c- takes quite a toll on you as a person and that speaks to him as a as a both as an actor and a human being you know mm. withstanding um what i must assume not very easy days to go by like you know when you're having like stage four clone cancer to live with it's that, that yeah fucking sucks. It's, a, it's a true testament to his character you know he doesn't want to bring the whole crew down so yeah you know he just does his job and then goes home to his family and yeah i think i mean that's the most noble thing you could do and i have no idea how does one um that big of a thing, a secret in, in, in front of the you know the Marvel officials and the directors and the various other stakeholders and executive I mean I don't know what kind of decisions are being made in order to keep that uh, a secret from the big corporation that you know he must have signed like a some sort of like a four picture, five picture deal when he first signed with Black Panther and to know where your future is heading is kinda like uh, you know, guys, I might have like you know a bit of a complication down the road, but then you know it, it really speaks to his point of view of like of like I'm gonna fight through this kind of thing, and then I'm gonna see this to the end sort of a mentality, and that is like really, uh, I mean, it speaks to him as a as a human being mm. again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, all in all, you know, just wish his family well. Yeah. Know, wish for the people around him well. Yeah. Yeah, That's and about- no other utterance of uh, Black Panther anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how they're gonna, how they're gonna do this, um, how they're gonna, how that decision is gonna be reflected in the upcoming slates, I'm pretty sure, because the next few slates, we're gonna see like, the Eternals, mm. and uh, our first uh, Asian Marvel star. Chloe, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Shang-Chi. Uh, Shang-Chi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shang-Chi, and then... So, yeah, that'll be something for all the, the, the light-skinned Asians. <laughs> <laughs> that will be something. And I, I'm, 
they haven't finished filming that film right I'm I don't sure know what the of, like, because of uh, the status is for the filming yeah. so far but yeah um yeah, we'll Speaking see. of Eternals, uh, Chloe Zhao, like uh, Nomadland won, uh, won, I think won the Venice. Yeah, the Venice. That's the a line. huge yeah. ass deal. That's a very very huge ass deal. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we we spoke a bit about the trailer on last week, and uh, I I for one really I'm excited for the film. I mm. have no idea if it would ever come here in our local cinema, but I'll be sure to keep it, uh, catch it, uh, keep an eye on it. It's and, interesting. Uh, uh she because she she's she did the the writer. And then she did Nomadland, which is the latest mm. one. And then she is also she did uh, uh, a superhero Eternals. Eternals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a c- completely different tone very, very different. of movies. Like the writer and Nomadland, I I from from what I gather, you know, it's it's very it's almost like it's very, slow cinema. You know, it's very uh, atmospheric, very character driven. It feels spiritually slim, uh, yeah. spiritually similar, like mm. tone wise. Like even looking from a trailer, how it opens with like uh, the shot of like Francis McDormand just walking through uh, what what I can see is a trailer park of some sort, and and it's against that beautiful like golden hour of the sunset just shining through on the horizon. It's just something else but like it's, it's the type of movies like you know people say auteurs make yeah. right uh, but then there's eternal so you're wondering how that's gonna be like how she's gonna adopt her signature filmmaking onto a huge corporate mm. film you know basically yeah um, from what from what I hear, it's been going quite okay actually. From what the cast has been saying about the experiences of working on Eternals and then how Chloe Zhao kind of like instill her indie filmmaking roots into like this um um big corporate wheel of a film. Um, but we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, um, I'm I'm interested I, to see it. Yeah. I'm, I for now I can't I can't wait for Eternals because Eternals is this like this cosmic. Uh, space adventure film kind of thing so when you f- see films like The Rider you couldn't imagine a director like that could ever tackle a subject that huge you know even though for a comic book movie so I'm um, I'm really really excited I mean she's gonna have a great as I said last, last week she's gonna have a great six months ahead you know we mm. see Nomadland as being like slowly teased out as it is like you know, uh, it's being released in October, so it's slowly teased out in the award season. So we may see Nomadland popping out in like Oscars and stuff, and then February will have Eternals. So yeah, I mean, it's usually it's usually that's the case. You know, you, you win a festival like uh, the last one was Joker, who yep. won the Golden Lion. So you know, they get into picture, get into actor. Yeah, and so I I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Francis McDormand gets like a best actress nom- yeah. nomination as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, you know, maybe she, Chloe would be the, the first Asian woman uh, to be the best director, nom- you know, in the nominees. So, yep. yeah. And the icing on the cake is that a billion dollar for Eternals. <laughs> That would be like a gigantic icing on the cake. But yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes and I'm I'm very, very excited for Very uh, exciting for filmmaker her, for to watch films. out for. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that's no Land. But again, bringing back to Chayu Boxman and and his legacy. Um, um, yeah, you know, um, condolences to his family and stuff. And uh, yeah, let's rest in peace, Chayu yeah. Boxman. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming in. We have a real connection, a rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. Say something. I don't think so. Weird. <laughs> so, uh, what are we gonna talk about now? Yes. Uh, your favorite filmmaker. My favorite. Okay. Um, is that? I is wouldn't that say he's my favorite filmmaker. Okay. But I would say he's my favorite Artist. writer. Okay. 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 Yeah. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Because um, his the movies that he directs doesn't always uh. Trans, not translate, but it's it's, it's different uh, from his writing because mm-hmm. I I th- I think so far from his uh, his body of work, his writing w- is has really been strengthened by other directors mm. like Spike Jones, like Michelle Gondry. Um, but when he directs, it's it's a little bit different. It's mm. um it's not so showy. Uh, it's also a, I get uh, it's it it just feels different. But mm-hmm. I I would say he's my he's my favorite writer so far. Yeah. Of all time, 
And uh, when I was, uh, I was, I was very excited, you know, to watch this, uh, this new film. I'm thinking of ending things, and then uh, yeah, so excited that I got the book as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought it's, it's right beside Derek. <laughs> but the, but the thing is, I was I was a bit bummed because I wanted the original cover for the book. I and then the one yeah, I got was the the movie kind of cover, you know. And I didn't. F- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing the old original um, yeah. cover was the, uh, the, 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 the snow-covered snow yeah. uh, car yeah. stuck in the middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted that. I actually ordered that. I don't know why they gave me the, yeah. the movie cover. It's too bad of a cover, I guess. You so know, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a book snob, in our own rights, yeah, yeah. I, I know I completely understand what you what you meant, but yeah, it's but yeah, I mean Charlie Kaufman, you know, um, his newest film um, mm. in which he wrote and directed, mm. you know, is an adaptation from a book by Ian Reid. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Um, you and know, we'll we'll talk slightly about what we feel about the yeah, film yeah. and the comparison to the book as far as we know so far and what we. Are we doing a spoiler or not? We'll do a light. Uh, we'll do a spoiler, but we'll we'll for sure. I'll I'll give like a prior warning before we eventually jump into the ending bit of what we think about, but we'll keep it short and sweet. Okay, okay. What we think about the ending, kind of a thing. Right. But yeah. Um, okay. So we'll just, start, able, we'll just start yeah. with the the, the 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 like synopsis. Yes. Of the film. Okay. So basically, yep, yep, yep. it's um it's about a girl and a guy uh, played by Jesse Buckley, Jesse Buckley. and Jesse Plemons, yep. the the two Jessies. Yeah. Um, I never thought of that one. It's not the cast name, but you know. So they're they're a couple, and then they're on yep. the way to see um Jesse Plemons' uh, parents. Parents. And then yeah, things start to go weird. Yep. Um, they were dating like what six to eight weeks, I think she yes. mentioned. So it's a very Fresh, very new, very young relationship, and uh, and already the guy is kind of like bringing the girl back to his parents, which is in and of itself is already a horror movie, <laughs> which is like you know it's already an uncomfortable thought to begin with. But then yeah, um, uh, is there any, any character name to Jesse Plemons' uh, character? I I I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is. Um, I for, I've for some reason forgotten what he plays as. Oh but, man, I I forgot as well. I uh, yeah, I I will look it up. Yep. So oh, his character. So his character brought uh, Jesse Buckley's character back to his uh, parents' house, um, just to meet them. Um, his parents played by Tony Collette and uh, David Tillis. Um and that's essentially a very. Uh, his name is Jake. Jake. Yep. Right. Okay. And Jesse Jesse Buckley's uh, actual name is Young Woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into the why of his name. Um. So, so that's essentially the plot. Um. And then, as you know, when they arrive at the house, and then you basically, uh, suffice to say, weird, random occurrences started to happen. Um. Time and space kind of like shifted. As we go through the film and the. Uh, feelings were discussed and um, you know this film is primarily a lot of like uh, conversation between two or three more people and mm. and when we're talking conversations we're talking like really deep very passionate arguments and conversation about uh, uh, something really really specific and you have characters disagreeing with another character and he's saying why he disagree with the thing you know you have a lot of that kind mm. of operation going through the film and there's a lot of car rides back and forth. In the beginning, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Car rides that stop in the middle of nowhere and then random occurrences happen again and then you get back in the car. You know, it's 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 a very it's a very difficult film to um to suggest it to somebody. But we could uh, also mention that besides the main plot, sometimes we'll cut to this uh, old janitor in a school. Yes. Yeah, old janitor in a school. Um, of which we do not know what's the uh, uh, relevancy to the to the plot A yet, and as we go through the film, we'll slowly unlock what is essentially the meaning behind the film, mm. what Charlie Kaufman is trying to say, what Ian Reid is trying to say, and uh, I'm really really curious as to how different the novel is compared to the film itself, because as far as I heard, as far as I um, read and listen to interviews by Charlie Kaufman and Ian Reid, the novels are quite different as opposed to the film. Yep, yep. Charlie Kaufman kind of like made it very film filmic in a way, whereas the novel is kind of like very, uh, you know, because it, uh, it's very 
driven by first person point of view kind of Narration thing. So kind of thing. A lot of people has deem it like to be unfilmable, you know, very, very hard to film, very hard film to like describe as mm. well. So But I've heard yeah. that the book is also quite a page turner. That, it is. Uh, that it's like it's very it's very uh, riveting. Yeah, you, yeah, you keep yeah, reading yeah. on and on and yeah, Kaufman definitely uh make like a few little changes, you know, f- to make yeah. a stamp on it. And um and we mentioned that there are two timelines, you know, mm. uh, we have the the couple and then we have the janitor and then it, as we see the story goes along, you know, we see how it uh, sort of uh, it, it zips it very nicely zips back and forth. Yeah, sometimes yeah. random that you know sometimes you you'll be thinking like both timelines are happening at the same time you know, as usual when things are cut that way, and then you know when we uh, remain with Jesse Buckley's character. Uh, as you like wander around the house and stuff as we see all these like weird things started to occur uh, and then you started asking yourself like what kind of a film am I watching and then um, um, I guess that's where the elements of like psychological horror and dread comes in on the side and then it kind of like feeds into the flavor of the genre as well but it at the same time it isn't exactly that you know so it's a very very hard film to like skirt around to talk about like what kind of a genre it is what kind of it's it's essentially a Charlie Kaufman film you know if you're mm. really familiar with Charlie Kaufman's film of the past you know um, um, being John Malkovich and adaptations and uh, like even the simplest one like Eternal Sunshine you know, <clears throat> you'll know that he doesn't deal with very normal films you know he mm. deals with his own like um, he put his own spin onto what we assume to be traditional narrative of a genre and uh, this one in particular is really an unique right I would say you know the performances were great across the board you know Jesse Buckley is great Jesse Plamon is great Tony Collette again playing scary mom number two <laughs> she's really good at playing like scary mother in a role and uh, and uh, David Tullis as well like uh, uh, equally as creepy in his portrayal as the dad and uh, you have the janitor as well so it's like it's it's a it's a it's quite a film that I can't keep, I can't stop thinking about it, even days mm. after watching it. And then even after you watch it, and then the more things you read about it, it made me kind of appreciate the film even more. Mm. And it really made me kind of like uh, geared myself for a second rewatch, which I'm pretty sure it'll make me love the film even more. Mm. You know, That's essentially my feelings about the film. It's, it's really a, a unique ride, I would mm. say. Okay, yeah. Um, I felt similar things as well. Um, although I, I, you know, I, I want to, I wanted to love it mm, mm, the, uh, the first time I saw it. I didn't love it, but I did find it very intriguing. Um, a lot of topics and, uh, you know, things that you can talk about. Um, it's, it's definitely, um, a film that, you know, it would challenge you. Yeah. It, it challenges you to pay attention to wonder what these characters are really trying to say, you know, if they're trying to, if they're lying to each other, if they're saying what they mean, what, what do these references are, and, you know, Charlie, Charlie Kaufman has this knack of, uh, like, blending time and space. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't make your, your typical straightforward movie. He, he takes images and metaphors and, uh, uh, rep- like all these representations and he uh, that manifests within the character, you know, mm. he he puts it out mm-hmm. on like on the screen. Yeah. So you see it. Um. So my first impressions was I I like it. Um. I have seen a few of those explained videos as well. Yeah. Uh, about the plot and what what it all means, and I I do I I wish I um could have seen it uh, a second time before we did this episode, but I think I would have. I think I would appreciate it more as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I see it again. Yeah, it's it's a film that we're both really really positive on, and I'm pretty sure, um, um, in a weird way, like um, films, you know, Charlie Kaufman films are in the past. Uh, I'm not too sure of how big their box office reception is, which is like really equivalent to how many people have seen his film or how the DVDs box office uh, sale reacts. But you know, this film being on Netflix is kind of like the pinnacle of like oh everyone's going to watch this film. Everyone either are going to or not going to watch this film. But either way, it's, it's, it's becoming the most accessible Charlie Kaufman film. And I guess this would be, you know, I would still recommend this if you're, if you're somehow not familiar with this film at all, not familiar with his, uh, 
how shall we say this, his idiosyncratic uh, tone of how he handles his film, how he writes his characters. Um, I would say this is like a perfect uh, uh, gateway in a way, although it would confuse the shit out of you in the first half hour, in the first 40 minutes, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, so, it's... Yes, it will, it will challenge it will. people. It's frustrating, but, but I would still, way, I would I still say it is definitely more understandable than Tenet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tenet, Tenet being the uh, uh, unfortunate uh, film to be compared to in a very recent time because you know it came out in a like not so far for time space and then um, you know uh, people who have been complaining about how Tenet is being complicated and then and then. Um, I say to them, um, I'm thinking of ending things might, may or may not be as complicated as that, if not more so. But in a more, you can still accept kind of kind of a scale. You know, it's a it's a very hard film to 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 describe unless we dive into spoilers, of which we will do in a bit. But yeah, any 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 last words about the film in particular? Mm, I I I think it paints the the kind of mood and tone very accurately. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't shy away from giving you exactly what you want. Yeah, it wants you to make an effort in your head. You know, and I think those kind of movies, right? Um, especially those that are a bit of on the mind boggling side. Yeah. Um, when you as the audience, you know, you are when you get to piece it together in your head, it's actually a very satisfying feeling. It is. It is. Yeah. Especially it, for this film. Mm-hmm. Especially for this film, like. Um, one thing I'll say is that Charlie Kaufman is like if you, if you don't know by now he's very very literate like you know he's he's really into his art and books and music and stuff and then you know there's like few scenes where he would litter the entire scene with like with like references that he will later brought up in like scenes in like chunks of scene like one in particular was this a uh, a review of Pauline Kael. And like a woman under the influence of which the girl eventually like would recite back those lines. Yep. When I first watched that scene, the way she recite back those reviews, something tells me someone else must have written this and not Charlie Kaufman because the way she recite those lines as though it came from someone else. I don't know whether that makes sense or not. You know, you can tell it's not really written by some film writer or some kind you know it's like the girl kind of recites as though she's reading off a book and then of which we will later know the cause of why uh, that that scene happened uh, so and then uh, you see like uh, references to like uh, old century paintings and um, 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 uh, yeah like uh, film critic role uh, film critic books like Pauline Kale which is Oddly, like uh, tying in with his latest book, what, what's Charlie Kaufman's latest and book? Kind. And Kind, which is about a professional which is film about critic. About a yeah. film critic. So he he really is doing his own little like a mini like cinematic universe, all in his mm. own head, like really all drawn in this like very weird Charlie Kaufman's language. Um, if you're like a true devotee of his of his work, I'm pretty sure you will appreciate even more. So yeah, um. I also like the film's editing, by the way. Like uh, the way the film edits between the two timelines, yeah. I, I thought it's like really unique, and um, the cinematography as well is really clean. Uh, and uh, what was that framing? That 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 uh, one one framing? No, I'm not too sure what's the, the, the uh, box. Aspiration. Yeah, the the box. Yeah, in. Well, um, I thought it worked really well within the film. It's in the context of that hit that style. Um, was I don't know if he was influenced by uh, this director, but it's the DP for. Yep. I'm thinking of ending things. Mm-hmm. Is the same DP for Ida. Right. Yeah. So I did not know that. Okay. That makes sense. That so it, that DP yeah, has been yeah, very, yeah. has been like very uh, used to using this format right. now. This uh, sort of like kind of four three box I, I, format. I, be- I believe the DP used the same um, the same four three. Is it an Academy reissue? If I'm not mistaken, that's what they call um, onto his. Uh, the film that he shot after Ida for the same director, of which uh, I've forgotten what that film was about. It's also in black and white, and it's also Cold, in like uh, Cold War. Cold War, yeah, yep, yeah. Right. So it's the same um, aspect ratio, yeah, yeah. and uh, I guess Charlie Kaufman was ever like wanting to adopt the same boxed-in feeling of, mm. of the characters. And uh, I, I must say, it worked quite well because the production it goes in tandem with the production design. You know, when I, I like whenever she's sitting down in the hallway, you can clearly see the aspect ratio is working to its favor. You know, it's like boxing in those windows that are on her on her back before the camera kind of like pans. 
and I like how unconventional certain things are, you know, like two people having conversation and the camera would like just slowly pan away from the conversation onto like some other angle. You know, things that you wouldn't see in a traditional film mm. um, that's executed in a very traditional film sense, but it's just odd seeing it. It just adds into the to this like this underlying fear of like you really do not know what's going to happen and then they keep hinting about this thing in the basement and then mm. they keep hinting in the basement and then I like how the basement is this like cello tape. <laughs> it's just like cello tape on the side. You know, it's just small bits like this which is yeah. like clearly you can tell is uh, uh, authorship by one and only Charlie Kaufman. You know, it's very this odd uh, thing that happened in the film. Mm. He has a very uh, dark sense for comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very uh, intricate about the details, you know, yep. that when you, uh, he, he likes to foreshadow things and when yes. he, he plants it and then when you see it, you know, it's it's like, it's, it's like an inner laugh yeah. you have with yourself. Yeah. And it, it's just a, it's just a great feeling, uh, especially he, he, with all the other movies as well. Mm, he plays with time in a very, very, he uses time as a concept in his film in a very, very interesting ways. Mm. Um, some might argue much better than how Nolan uses time in Tenet, but <laughs> let's not go into that. People like to think of themselves as points moving through time, but I think it's the opposite. Stationary and time passes through us, blowing like cold wind. Maybe this is how it was always going to end. Um, this is a spoiler warning. Uh, henceforth, okay. we will slowly dive into what happened in the in Now, the, now in we're going to go into the details. So, for any of you who have, haven't seen the film, um, we uh, just advise not to listen. I mean, if you have never heard, if you've never seen the film, don't ever listen to this episode yet. Just watch, uh, go to Netflix, watch the film, then come back to this. So, at, I want to ask you this. Yep. At what point um, did you, uh, did any of the thought that came up that all of this takes place in the janitor's head, basically. Actually, it didn't occur to me. Right, no? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, I don't know, maybe I was too invested in, uh, <laughs> in just Jesse Buckley's, uh, you know, journey. Mm. Um, and then when I see the... I, I mean, I knew something was going to come up with yeah. the janitor at some point. There, there must and be I, some kind of twist. It, it was only, I think, closer towards the end. Yeah. Then I started to... It, it's, okay, it was really when... Um, when she was in the basement, and then Correct. she uh, took out the janitor uh, outfit from the yeah. washing machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's that's kind of when I started to think, you know, something is something is going on here. You know, yeah. that, that's a, that's a great thing about Kaufman. Kaufman threw all these like little clues throughout the film, even though he's showing. Okay, yes, there's another old janitor that. Um, you know, doing his job at this other school, you know, that's this thing about um, the, the school is doing this uh, musical Broadway of like Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, 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 they're doing this musical number of Oklahoma. And then there's like a relevancy to to this other story that's played by, you know, J.C. Buckley and Jesse Plemons' character as well. And then we later found out that they're essentially all of whatever we see in plot A is basically, uh, uh, how should I put this? It's a story that he that the janitor came up with as a way to um, as a way to he he kind of like what if my life could have uh, taken that route mm. if I would have um, um, met this girl or something like that you know it, it's it's a really I mean that's basically like the the main plot twist already right? yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's uh it's 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 actually it I guess it represents what the tit the title really means yep um and then because when you see it you see Jesse Buckley as the, the main character, the woman, mm. and you assume it's about her uh, wanting Ending to break up with, yeah. the, with, J with Jake, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she, she even mentioned it a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. That's even the first so, line of the so film. That's, I'm thinking that, of that's the red herring at yep. first. And then eventually you learn that it's really about the janitor's story, about him you know, not having a life that he is happy with. And then yeah. 
eventually contemplates suicide. Yeah, yeah, before eventually taking his own life, which is you know in a way of ending things for him. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so there's this whole bit of him climbing in a car, and then there's like this whole motif of like car covered in snow, and then there's like. Like we we see a lot of instances where characters are in a car covered in snow and they're having like heavy conversations. So one can, I mean, there's a lot of ways to read into that, but a, a lot of like the theories I've read, it's like, um, you know, the janitor has been dead, like due to his own suicide mm. in the car all this while while the car is like slowly covered in snow. And then at the same time, you know, the whole thing of like you saw your life flashing before your eyes kind of thing. So his version of that is basically this entire thing where. Um, he's inserting himself as a not necessarily the guy's character, but inserting himself as both these two's, you know, both Jesse Buckley's and Jesse Plemons' character as well, about how his life would have went an alternative route. You know, what if I met that girl? What if I met that girl and this girl is this sort of a characteristic? Uh, characteristic, and what if I brought? Uh, what if I bring her to my parents? Will they be happy? You know, all these questions that popped up. This necessary stages in relationships in life so you know you know when it, when when i read about all that theory but like and then i got even more depressed after reading those theories and did then you get did you more... did you read the one about the ending about how it relates to like the, the those scenes before because uh-huh. uh there was there's one that i saw um they say uh like how you know the 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 ending shot of the the car covered yeah. in snow yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah. very reminiscent of the the paintings that yes. did you know as a kid yeah. and then it also uh relates to uh when they were having dinner yeah. and then uh Jessie Buckley was showing her paintings yeah. quote unquote and then uh you know she said uh you know it's it's a painting that uh, that makes you feel sad yeah, yeah. um and then and then, then the dad you listen but how 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 does it how do you how feel does, sad? How do you, how do you summarize like painting is sad if you insert, yeah, how, does, how no does it feel sad when a, you don't see a person in the painting looking that is sad? sad. You know, yeah. it's, it's a very unique way. I mean, I guess it's the most obvious way of interpreting mm. a, a painting, but it's it's really funny, you know, that scene, like when you think about it. But yeah, um, I've read that some theories have mentioned that the very last shot of the film where you see a car covered in snow, that car isn't the isn't shaped like the truck that he went uh, that the that the janitor went in. Mm-hmm. It's shaped in a similar car that both young woman and, and Jesse Plemons' yeah. character was driving on. Yeah, yeah. So it adds another layer of like twist like what are we like following here? Are we still following the, the couple journey? Like like you know, did the uh, did Jesse Buckley's character ever made it home? You know, she always mentioned like, I want to go home, I want to go home and then did they ever made it home? And then it's it's all these layers of like mysteries mm. that because all um, in all, Jesse Buckley is really a manifestation of Jake's character, yeah. right? Um, of things because the things that she has done, she's mm. an accomplished uh, what biophysicist, Bi- uh, virologist, right? or something. virologist. She's a painter. Yeah, she watches movies. It's she is niche occupation. Very niche occupations that Kaufman came up with. Yeah. By the way. So like all these things that he could have been, you know, instead of a janitor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, at the end when she was, uh, I think, I think when she just says, you know, I want to go home, it's like it's like him saying that he wants to go home. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's it's it adds the film is also this weird, um, very bittersweet meditation of like um, if you couldn't fulfill to your own potential sort of way, you know, we can see the janitor. I mean, we we can summarize. That the janitor is somehow gifted, you know, he's very like thoughtful about art. You know, he can paint good stuff, and uh, he did all of that. He did all of that, and somehow he still he couldn't accomplish anything in his life, and he's still being a janitor in his old school. You know, it's it's just um, apparently I've read an interview somewhere that Ian Reid actually based it off. You know, that whole bit about the janitor cleaning his old school, he apparently based it off an, an actual figure. Um, of, a, of an actual real life painter of which I've forgotten the name um, like the guy is actually like a really accomplished painter you know he painted a lot of like oh, no no not a painter sorry a uh, novelist so he wrote like this like huge science fiction epic like 10 12,000 pages in like a manuscript that in his basement or something then um, but he still works as a janitor in, the old, in, in his old uh, alumni school or something then when the guy passed away everyone uh, you know 
they kind of like gone back to his basement of like clearing his stuff and then found out that he wrote all these like novels and stuff. So it's he could have been a great author kind of a thing, but it was left undiscovered after his death. Mm. So it's like it's clearly Yin Reed took that as sort of like this um, seed of inspiration when he wrote the character of the janitor and then Kaufman kind of like uh, uh, applies it his own way, you know. Um, yeah, by doing another twist of like you know him imagining this thing, and then he's an accomplished painter, and uh, it's this yeah, like I said, it's a it's a you can't accomplish anything, and then you sort of like down in life, and then <laughs> going nowhere with your life, which is kind of weird coming from Kaufman itself, because you know when you think about his career, he, you know he has won um, Oscar for Eternal Sunshine, he has made films that. Uh, a lot of like loyal cinephiles have been following him his career throughout the years and then he if he still feels that way in some ways of like mm, I'm not accomplishing anything significant it's a very depressing thought you know when you when you're watching the film from afar so it's like it's a it's a very yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a just a weird twist from, mm. from that end it's uh it's it's such a bitter sweet yeah feeling you know like I love movies like that. Yeah. Um, I, I I can never get enough of it. You know, like it make, makes you think about yourself. You know, in a way, um, and also uh, it's very really self-reflective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it sort of makes you, I guess, makes you less selfish. You know, like yeah. How make, making you think me. like the world is you know really so much bigger than yeah. than what you what you are what you want to achieve. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, potential. It's, it's, it's a, it's a. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I found out what the film is about. I mean, the more we read about it, the film is really, really, really beautiful. Like, I mean, I guess, like all of his uh, films of the past, like *Anomalisa*, *The Anomalisa*, *Eternal Sunshine* adaptation, they always like hit this like very sweet spot of like eventually what made you think that film is a masterpiece. In the top of it's more of a, it's more than what it seems. You know, as you dig more through it. The, the better the film becomes mm. you know I guess you know that's why his films really warrants that whole you know you have to watch it over and over again kind of a thing and um, I can't wait to actually watch I'm thinking of anything a second time because I'm pretty sure now you start to find out all these like uh, clues that is like scattered through the scenes and yeah you know, yep. so it's it's really it's a really really great movie actually uh, it's a film I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll get it out of my head as the year ends I'm I was I was surprised how many types of angles they got of the car when they were driving oh yeah I mean they have like uh, like on on like just on Jesse Buckley like you know one from the side one from the front one from the back one from inside yeah, yeah. I, I, I really <laughs> like the fact that it wasn't done like you know how how certain films does that just like, like just drop shot yeah, right? yeah like like it's not overdone and you can tell it's not like um very how how do I do this um you know how driving scene like how Hollywood tackles their driving scene they'll do it really properly like it, the green screen work would be like mm, really, really mm, well you could see like clearly see like trees going past you could have the impression that they're driving through certain place not this film though this film clearly. Like, Kaufman kind of, like, do it on purpose. It's kind of like, no, they're not really driving anywhere. You don't see any background trees going yeah, by. Yeah. You, you, you don't mean, see you outside don't see, at all. You don't, you don't get the impression that the car is moving. So, so another theory that I read is that the, um, people, like, uh, having theories about a car is that um, as a strength to the final twist that this whole thing is, like, in the janitor's head, you know, the car isn't really driven at all. You know, if the car really is, like... Um, true to the final twist, you know, it stays in one place while like uh, snow just like covering the car kind of a thing. And then there's this whole thing where they say the car is like traveling through uh, through time kind of a thing. Like, you know, it, the, the car is like moving through time instead of him moving through the place. You know, there's, there's all bits of like mm-hmm. theories floating around that only strengthen the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is this, I mean, it's, it's nice to talk about. And I wonder how many people actually... Uh, picked up on all this while they're watching that because I don't think it's that hard of a film to pick apart once you've really mm. like put your mind into it it doesn't really take a mental strength as much as a tenet would your mind need to you know that kind of thing and uh, uh, the minute I figure out uh, I'll, I'll tell you the minute I figure out that um, that whole bit about okay this all this thing the janitor might have imagined it was the bit where, you know, um, she answers the phone. There's like a couple of instances where she, she you know, that's called through a handphone and then she picks it up. Well, Someone... Like she, well, actually, well, initially, her name was supposed to be Lisa, right? Yeah. 
And yeah, then they even make the a joke first about Lisa. call <laughs> that she got on the phone was from a person called Lisa. Yeah. So then you're already wondering <laughs> what is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when when she picks it up, it's a, a guy on the other end of the line mm. uttering lines. You know, something about what, uh, um, something paraphrasing about like uh, I'm questioning my own actions. Like, at what am I doing? Is it correct? You know, that kind of thing. And it's very this very tragic lines I would say mm-hmm. and then some would say like if you read the lines properly it's actually a paraphrasing from a from a myth of Sisyphus that Kaufman took from the Greek myth you know it's line by line that Kaufman just like uh, kind of like switching apart so mm. it's like you know, a myth of Sisyphus where you know um, the guy who rolled up the boulder up the hill but eventually the boulder rolled down rolled back down so again it plays with the myth and it plays with the storyline as well and it's you know, when, when you read this thing, uh, the more things click in your brain, the more you would appreciate the film kind of a thing, the more you're like, ah, and then you feel sad for a while, and it's like, oh, okay. But it <laughs> makes you kind of like wanting to watch the film again mm-hmm. to appreciate it even more. So I- I'm glad the film turned out to be all right, you know, in the end. Because, you know, yeah, without, yeah. without putting too much expectation on the film, and uh, I-, I thought this was like a slipper hit, actually, for Cinefors. At least, uh, you know, yeah. this far end of the year we have, we have gotten we have gotten like you know end of August early September and we finally got one that is like really like yeah. satiate the necessary boxes of cinephiles so it's like I hope I hope to have to hear more conversations from people about it yeah because it's it's one of those movies that you need to talk about right it's, it's those water cooler movies that yeah. you know you should debate about you know what does it really mean you know yeah. why is he doing that why is she doing this so yeah, uh, yeah when you have People talking about a movie way after you've seen it, you know it's it's a good sign. It's a, it's a yeah. very very good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for what Kaufman is cooking up next. I'm not too sure. There's been like words of him messing. Well, around. I did my research. Okay. And his next movie is the uh, one that he is only writing, mm. but uh, it's directed yes. by yes. Doug Liman. Right. And it's called Chaos Walking. Oh right. right, right. So it's okay, gonna be okay, a dystopian okay. movie. Is it the one that stars Tom Holland? Yes. You know, yeah, Tom yeah, Holland, yeah. Daisy Ridley, Matt, Matt Mikkelsen, Nick Jonas, mm. uh, David Oyelowo. So it's gonna be the 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 the, the plot line now um, is a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. Okay. So it's it's a novel by Patrick Ness, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yes. because uh, Patrick Ness, Patrick Ness wrote this one book that I really love, which is called uh, "When a Monster Calls," which is also adapted into a uh, film yes, yes, back yes. in the day. I've seen that and, one, yeah. and that book is like really, really spectacular. And uh, I believe they have already um, shot and edited. You know, they have, they have, the film is in the can; it's already being done. Your know, chaos walking, and it just like uh, it's been stuck in this weird distribution hell kind mm. of a thing. You know, a lot of like films company kind of like acquired it and try to film um, trying to premiere it and then COVID happens and then uh, as usual delays happen and all that so well he actually shares uh, writing credits with seven other writers exactly so, so this is <laughs> I think it, it would have gone through different eyes and uh, maybe re- reiterations so. yeah, yeah, yeah because um, Chaos was Chaos Walking you know um, some can tell it as like a major blockbuster kind yeah of it's, film. it's an, an adventure sci-fi movie, yeah. piece and then some have theorized that you know Charlie Kaufman's role in the film may not be as rewarding as one might think it is you know mm. being that he's sharing like screenwriting credits you know the, the amount of draft the script has gone through and all that stuff so it really ties into that one joke that he made in uh, I'm thinking of anything where there's one bit where the old man is like watching through that sappy rom-com scene and it ends with this directed, directed by Robert Zemeckis so you know so it's like a apparently apparently his uh, assistant editor inserted that that, that title card from uh. contact from the film contact and then he inserted it without his knowledge and then when Kaufman watch it in the editing bay and then he laugh and then he likes it and then he call up Robert Zemeckis asking for his permission to use his name and then of which Robert Zemeckis also laugh and then he's like yeah why not just use my name yeah it's mine <laughs> so you know both of them are like uh, good friends and stuff but it, it also it also like um, signifies this um, this uh, minor frustration that Charlie Kaufman might have had in the land of Hollywood you yeah. know this like studio systems and all that so he, some, he hates the Hollywood system. Yeah. He hates how 
political and yeah. you know just downright dirty it is so, so he, so, he so, yeah. so something tells me his experiences in 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 doing chaos walking isn't really that uh, flowery and petals mm. and stuff it, yeah, it so. wouldn't be like a complete Kaufman written work I would say yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, um, that's Charlie Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of many things. Um, it's a very, very good film. Um, as a cinephile, I would uh, recommend it to everyone. And yep. uh, it's on Netflix, so it's like you have no reason to not watch it. It's one of the easier ones to watch, definitely. Um, I still, I'm still telling Derek to, keep, to try and watch us the next key New York. Yeah. Because it's his biggest film so far that he directed as well a, a lot of people have put that film in their like their top film of all time yeah list. and you know like that's not an easy uh, film to be put on the list like period and a lot of like uh, Kaufman devotee uh, very split in the middle of whether Synecdoche New York is like his masterpiece or not but most of them say that's the matter and, mm, mm, mm. and I'm, I'm still working my way through his filmography and um, yeah, yeah you know, Charlie Kaufman's filmography is one and uh, I'm doing my next one will be on Fincher since um, Mank is almost coming out in the, as we're approaching tail end so I'm looking forward to like working my way you know from his, from David Fincher's filmography from start to the end and uh, you, you love doing well. all these things I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I like it because um, Mank kind of like I mean his Fincher's last film was what Gone Girl if I'm not mistaken uh, if I'm not mistaken yeah, 2016 2015 yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and then he was busy with like House of Cards he was busy with like you know uh, executive uh, show running House of Cards and then he was busy with Mindhunter you know two season Mindhunter mm-hmm. and then he was involved with like one or two other projects before being uh, move around and then he worked on Mank which is a film written by his dad you know I, I'm, I'm really interested in that thing alone you know so you know Mank will be quite interesting and um, yeah that's my next plan as far as my film endeavor film watching endeavor to come so right right we will we will be sure to talk about Mank at some time I'm pretty sure we'll talk yeah, about it sure, sure. that's a very big film from yet another from another filmmaker all of us love and uh, yeah, that's that's that should be it. Mm. But yeah, but I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, Charlie Kaufman. It's on Netflix now, so you know you have no excuse but to watch it. Yep. So I got not much for my end. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I I'm out of yeah. stuff to say as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll just end it here then. Yep, yep, yep. So um, it's been quite well. Um, um, for whoever. Um, wow, why am I blanking on a like uh, closing out message? Um, <laughs> um, hope everyone's doing well. Um, well, like the cases have been higher now, right? It's been higher in other states, okay. but like, in Selangor, we're still quite doing quite well, I think. So, uh, I mean, not to say people should drop their guards, but you know, it's still quite mm-hmm. okay. But you know, um, whatever happened in like uh, Tawau or Sabah, you know, and stuff. So it's been like quite nuts over there what with the jail situation and what and whatnot so mm. yeah um numbers are going up so everybody still stay safe out there and um uh there's like tons of stuff that comes up you know i just watched the boys season three mm. um yeah there's like tons of tv series that's coming out so uh in between in between of that and like oncoming work that we need to do to pay our bills that should be enough to keep ourselves entertained till the end of the year i think but yeah so Stay safe out there. So that'll be it from us. So yeah, yep. we're gonna from... sign off. And uh, uh, if you have anything that you'd like to, you know, comment about, or yeah. you know, you have any interesting topics that you think we should talk <coughs> about as well. Yep. We definitely love to take some input. You know, sometimes yep. it can be a, a slow news week, and we yeah. really have no idea what we want to talk about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we we try to record uh, every week. Um, to keep it consistent but yeah uh, please don't be shy write to us uh, thanks for all the likes as well the yeah. shares and all that and thank you to Andy and Victor as well for being like our our go-to guys our backup guys yeah. yeah speaking of them both um, their film club should be reopening like soon you know I heard their first film they'll be showing David Cronenberg's The Fly of Ooh, which I think good film be, good of film which yeah, fantastic freaking film. Of which I think that should be our next uh, EWO film club, but we'll we'll be, we'll keep. Oh, uh, okay, it. okay, okay. Because I I I myself haven't seen that film for quite some time now, so it's ripe for rewatch. But yeah, it's a 
So that'll be from uh, that'll be all from us. Yep. So have a great week ahead. Yep, um, this is Derek. Our, yep, this is Derek. Do look for our episodes in the coming week. And uh, signing off. Yep. See you very soon. Bye. All right, bye.